Hello. Hello. Welcome. Hello. We're back, baby. Season two. Season two. Hungry uh, Ghosts. We had to do. We had to have a break back there because I mean we were all wiped out. <laughs> I don't know how people do one every single week. Absolutely exhausting. Um, but we are going to jump on it before this episode proper starts, just to fill you in. Mm. on the drama that unfolded after the end of series one. Yes. Um, as you may remember. as Yeah, those of us we, who follow us on Instagram um, may already have had an inkling into this. But, yeah, we mentioned yes, it. Yes, yeah. as you were saying. We, well, in, in that episode, the theme was Foods of the Future. So we, we ate some insects and we drank some this stuff called Sentia, which is an alcohol substitute. Mm. Did the podcast, we recorded it at my house, Charlie went home, and then I'll let you take over the story. <laughs> yeah, so uh, when I got home, I started to feel quite itchy, um, I, I, and I was sitting on my sofa, I was feeling itchy for about an hour or so, and then um, I went to the bathroom, and I noticed that I had hives all over my legs, back, that um, was pretty, pretty gnarly looking. I then... Um, waited a little bit longer, and the hives got worse, and then my breathing started... Uh, to get harder and harder, and I realised I was having quite a severe allergic reaction. Uh, I rang um, the one one one, which is sort of the non emergency number for for the ambulances, and they were like, "Get to hospital now! You're having an allergic allergic reaction." Um, so I went to hospital, and, and and it turned out well. I'm still here, so so it was all good. But there was something either in the crickets or in uh, the sentia that did did a bad. A bad number Didn't on me when I was trying to explain to the doctor that I'd been eating crickets earlier in the evening. He was a li- he was somewhat confused, uh, <laughs> to say the least. I didn't even bother trying to explain to him what sentia was. It's the future of sustainable <laughs> protein. It's the future of sustainable protein. Um, but what I've learned from this experience is that we should never ever do an episode with a non-alcoholic beverage ever again. We've learned the hard okay. way. It literally put me in hospital. From now on. It's booze only, baby. Booze or bust. <laughs> booze or bust. Season two. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm definitely inclined to believe it was the sentier because mm. uh, the cricket said on the bag, people who are allergic to crustaceans shouldn't eat them. Yeah. And that's not you. I'm not allergic to crustaceans. I love crustaceans. And you've probably eaten insects before, haven't you? Um, I have maybe. eaten ants before. Ants. Um, Same yeah. thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So... Thing. I think it's probably the sense yet. Not so, to do a dirty on David Nutt. No. He is a friend of the show. Yeah, he is. But it's just, it's your fault. I am allergic to whatever, <laughs> whatever stuff he's putting in there. I had a Gabba overload. I wouldn't recommend it. Oh, also, we did, maybe it was also because we ignored their guidance. It says to have oh, we, yeah. 250 mil and we drank the whole bottle. We drank the whole bottle. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, 250 mil. No, no, it said to have 25 mil and we drank like 10 times that. 10 also. times that. Ridiculous. Yeah, um, he OD'd. So, he OD'd on Gabba, <laughs> but all in the name of fun. All in the name of fun. Uh, all fine, and now we're back. So, yeah, we're back for another batch of episodes, and we're going to do a bit differently this time. We've got some guests on, for mm-hmm. example, um, just to give you some respite from us. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the first episode is with uh, Phil from Two Beers Till Takeoff, which is a great um, travel podcast, and... He's in Canada, and we're going to talk about Canada. So, please enjoy. Enjoy! Welcome back to Hungry Ghosts. Um, 
And we're joined this week by Phil from Two Beers Till Takeoff, which is a travel podcast um, where Phil has a guest on every week and they share like crazy travel stories. Um, it's well worth a listen to check it out. I was on there uh, a couple of months ago. Um, so yeah, now we're returning the favour and having Phil on Hungry Ghosts. So thanks for joining us, Phil. And thanks Hell for yeah. your first guest, Phil. Hey, I, I'm 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 super. This is an honor, boys. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where exactly are you in Canada? So I'm actually in Atlantic Canada. So I'm on the east coast of Canada. I can, if I look out the window, I can see you guys. I'm, I'm waving. <laughs> no, I'm in a in a province called New Brunswick in a city called Saint John, which is uh, near the Bay of Fundy. Cool. So what in in terms of like. Um, linguistically what part of canada is that so yeah so new brunswick's pretty interesting actually it's so canada officially is bilingual canada canada speaks french and english but not every single province has an official language of french and english so most of uh, canada is actually just english quebec is french and new brunswick is actually the only province that's officially bilingual really that's really interesting i didn't know that yeah and there's some really interesting like play, like places like for example like i went to a high school in a place called grand falls but it's in a very i guess french slash english area and it's grand falls grand so so the town name is bilingual bilingual right and do, yeah. do most people speak both languages or do you still have very separate french speakers and english speakers in, um, in the population so so yeah i'd say 60 70 percent of the province speaks english I'd say probably almost half, I'd say 40% is bilingual. And then I'd say a, a smaller pop portion is, is um, j- just uniling- unilingual French. And are you it's... bilingual? Yeah, French is my first language. All right, okay. Yeah, my name is Philippe. Right, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well that is appropriate in a way that we're recording this podcast today all days yes indeed today is the um coronation of charles iii right so phil have you been uh swearing allegiance to your king today um as as a french person i mean <laughs> I, I, i'm uh i'm not the biggest fan to be honest with you and i guess uh with my acadian heritage slash irish heritage i don't know if I should, no, 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 I, I, <laughs> no this is not, a safe space, definitely. We're, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah, we're, not exactly down, right. we're certainly not the uh, the biggest monarchist in the world, no. yeah. Like, I, I think it had its place for a certain period of time. I just don't know, it's it's symbolic at this point in terms of, in Canada with, with the monarchy, but I, I'd, I, I'd like for us to abolish it and kind of start getting our own identity. I think that'd be cool, but yeah, I mean, yeah. that's. That's that's it's going to be such a a huge process of changing the the system of a country. I I I think it'd be a yeah. I don't I don't know if it'll change much. Maybe get the queen off her money. That's about it. Yeah, well, yeah, you, know, you get the king on your money soon, but then yeah, but, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, we haven't got that yet, but it's coming down the line, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's the whole thing's going to change pretty soon. I mean, so there are countries in the Commonwealth who are already like. Yeah, Barbados, Barbados went last year, Jamaica talking about it, Belize, Australia, there's there's huge Republican movements across the, the Commonwealth, right? So it's it's a matter of time, I think, for most places. Yeah. But that's yeah, beyond that's our right. remit. Yeah, <laughs> we're not a political podcast. Um, <laughs> so, Phil, can I ask, you mentioned 
the Acadians yep. um, and being an Acadian. So could you explain a bit about what that means like historically and, and culturally? Sure. So, so I guess the uh, best way to maybe do this is, is a quick history lesson about Canada yep. for those who maybe don't know. So great. Jacques Cartier, uh, a, a French explorer, he landed in Canada or in, in North America in 1534. Uh, then the French settled in Canada and then the English settled in where is now the, the U.S. So uh, the, Acadians pe- the Acadians people were people from the Poitiers region in France and who, you know, they settled to the east coast of Canada. So more specifically in terms of provinces, be like New Brunswick, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia, some of Quebec. And then so in the 1700s, during the colonial wars, the English took over this region. And in 1755, they decided to expel the Acadians uh, in an event in, in an event that's called the Le Grand Dérangement or the Great Upheaval. I don't know if right. you guys have ever heard that. I've not. No. I'm afraid to say. <laughs> yeah so 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 the, basically what they did is just decided to get everybody out of the the region clear off the french and do that via deportation and what they did is they put them out on boats and a lot of the acadian people found themselves then in louisiana uh, and so that's why now you know what i mean like you think yeah. of louisiana louisiana la louisiana it's 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 a super french word right mm. there's a, there's, it's, it's some some people think you know it's like why why is there french people in louisiana that's exactly why they were deported I, I, there was there were no french people there before no oh, okay no it was, right. it was a yeah. I, I believe it was a spanish settlement right uh, initially and so yeah so uh in the 19th century there was uh an acadian renaissance of people returning to the homeland of atlantic canada and now, uh, August 15th is the day that we celebrate, I guess, the peoples, the culture, uh, the deportation. And then you'll get people from like the, the Cajun region. You'll get people from France and you'll get the Acadians all celebrating together on this day on August 15th in form of drinks, dancing, parades. And uh, yeah, it's, it's great. It's a great old time. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Is that... And, um... I mean, I think we we talked about it maybe when I was on your podcast, but the there's a kind of having been, I mean, we've both actually together been to Louisiana and yeah. to French Canada. Yeah, New, Montreal. Not New Brunswick, but Montreal. And mm. like there is a kind of they both have this vibe of like, but you're just any given night, you're gonna wake up in a fucking skip. <laughs> 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 very liberal like, culture there's an edge, there's an edge to them in a cool way like uh yeah, yeah. there's like yeah. something in the air but obviously very different because uh you know louisiana is like a swamp it's all like hot and tropical yeah, and stuff sweaty. and montreal obviously is is not like that but there's something about the the spirit of the two places which seemed similar so maybe mm-hmm. it's the french influence that I... I, I think i think that's what it is yeah we're, yeah. we're pretty liberal folks easy going like to party yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Montreal. I mean, that was that's a mad night out. Montreal it? was a phenomenal night out. That, that was sadly the only place we we really visited in Quebec. But yeah. I'd love to see more of Quebec, Quebec City, some of the kind of the smaller towns and 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 in, in, in the province because it Montreal was a great you know intro yeah. to to an amazing place. Yeah. yeah. Quebec. Quebec's. I mean, it's it's a bit of a polarizing area in Canada. Mm. Everybody who's not from Quebec typically aren't the biggest fans of Quebec just because there's a little bit of that French English clash. 
even as a New Brunswicker, they kind of talk down to us in our, cause there's like levels of French, right? You have like the France right. French and you have Quebecois French. Then you have our French who's heavily been influenced by the English majority of the region. So because of that, they kind of look down on us, but mm. Montreal, like you guys said, is, is a sick spot to go out. Like I've been there on a bachelor party and it's fucking wild. Yeah. Uh, there's uh, like the best place to go watch hockey. I know that sounds super Canadian, <laughs> but yeah, the best place. And I, I'm not a fan of that team. It just, it is the best stadium to go to. What's the Montreal team? Uh, the Canadians. The Canadians. Yeah. Which is kind nice. of ironic yeah. because they're very <laughs> separatives. But uh, yeah. uh, like you said, Quebec City, that you're not wrong. That is a sick spot to go. I, that was actually one of the, in my notes, uh, one of the underrated places to go in Canada because you get the, uh, the Vieux Quebec, which right. is the European, uh, I guess, area of uh, Quebec. And it's, you know, cobblestone roads. It's mm-hmm. like there's a castle. There's, it's absolutely beautiful. Montreal only has, a, a, they have a view of Quebec, but it's nowhere near as nice as La Ville du Québec. And in Quebec, you'll get a lot more French only speakers. So it's, it's, if you really want that like cultural shock, you know what I mean? Montreal, you can kind of get away with speaking yeah. English. Mm, yeah. Quebec, you, you can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. I, uh, I think when we were in, in, in Canada, we were sort of saying, uh, that the French Canadian speakers would get annoyed with English Canadian speakers for not trying to speak French. But the fact that we were not Canadians, we were yeah foreigners exactly. basically actually, actually made it a bit better for us. The fact we didn't speak French. We yeah, got exactly. a, yeah, we, got, we got a free pass kind of on that one. Yeah. I think, I think maybe the, the trick is, is English speakers of Canada have to get like a British accent. Yeah. yeah maybe. <laughs> it's funny though, how that specific thing even transplants over to North America. Like, well, I was amazed that, Montreal is the second biggest uh, French-speaking city in the world wow. after Paris. After Paris. Okay, but, that's, um, that's a great fact. But I guess it makes sense when you think about it. But uh, obviously in France, and especially in Paris, where like loads of people speak English, but they pretend that they don't because they hate the fact that we can't speak French. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Speak French. I thought yeah. interesting what you were saying about the the levels, Phil, as well, because like you were saying, like there's the French French, then there's the Quebecois French, and yeah. do you think it's a similar? Yeah, as, as English people, you know, the English in general kind of look down on like the people from the United States and are like, you know, those I guys so. are kind of idiots. They've got they bastardize the language. They're kind yeah. of uh, yeah. Do you think the French look, look at the Quebecois in a similar way? Yeah, yeah, and then the Quebecois do it to us. Right. <laughs> so uh yeah th- th- that definitely happens uh i think uh one of the reasons why we're at the bottom of the totem pole in terms of acadians is because like i said there's a large english uh, influence mm. on our language you know more people are i mean the language is is declining quickly in, in right. new brunswick and in the, the atlantic provinces you're getting like you know english music tv movies like everything is all the media is essentially English. And because of this, this has actually really made the French uh, language evolve. Some too that I, I guess I, I didn't cover, but it's um, Acadians were not, Acadians who immigrated to Atlantic Canada never got back to France. You know, some of them stayed around in the region who, you know, escaped, went to Quebec. Some went to, who got deported to uh, the Cajun region of Louisiana. And because of that, they never really got like the 
like the the software update or the linguistic right. update. So because mm-hmm. of that, they use a lot of old words. Yeah. Uh, that like are now like uh, extinct in the French language. So they'll say words like uh, like for example, like my grandma would say like oh je vais mettre mon linge sur la ligne à hard. Hard is like a word that French people would be like. I don't know what that means, but it's an old word from like way back in the day for, for clothes. Right. Okay. That just yeah, doesn't so exist that, in, in modern French. It's yeah. They've, because they've they evolved never, separately and they've never had that relationship until. Exactly. Quite because they never went back. They yeah. never went back home to, to get the, the, the update. The same exists in Italian and, and German populations in North America as well. Right. There's lots of, uh, you know, obviously Italian Americans who moved over at the start of the, the 20th century. Now, when they talk Italian to Italian people in Italy, they're just like, that's a, it's a very, it's like how your grandma used to speak kind of thing. It's like, it's mm. like that language is just bizarre to the the modern Italian or the modern German ear as well. So it's, it's weird that across North America, there's all these populations, all these European languages that are kind of going down their own evolutionary path and, and keeping a lot of those archaic, archaic sounds and, and, and words. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. So Bill, what sort of, um, what sort of things are people eating in Acadia? So it's, uh, yeah, listen, there's, I, I think Canada's, well, I'll, I'll start with Canada maybe as a whole, because it, because it, I can, I can kind of synthesize it back down to Acadia, but like, uh, or l'Acadie. Uh, so Canada's known for the poutine. And I know mm. we'll, you guys, you know, you have a bit of history on that. And I'm interested to know, because I actually don't know the history behind the poutine. Uh, but I think that a, a lot of the foods that I, cherish for the ones that I, I consider Canadian is a lot of the bush meat, the uh, seafood that we get. So like, for example, like we'll, we'll, we're big hunting and big into hunting, like a uh, moose deer, stuff like that, like fishing for your own, you know, uh, fish and seafood, seafood for us on the coast is that's a big part of our diet. Like obviously uh, what you guys are part of what you guys are drinking right now, the clam juice mm. is, yeah, is one why don't you introduce what we're drinking? Cause you do it better than us. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are, you guys asked me, Phil, like what's, what's the, what's the, what's the national dish of Canada? Like what's something that we can drink over here. And so you're drinking a Caesar, which is a mm-hmm. uh, vodka based drink with uh, a drink or uh, with a juice called Clamato, which is tomato juice and clam juice. Sounds delicious, right? <laughs> uh, Worcester sauce, Tabasco, put a bit of lime in there a bit of pickle juice yeah salt yep. rim, salt rim yep. with the, uh, salt rim. the celery salt we actually then, got we couldn't get celery salt so we've just got normal salt okay that, okay. that, that works and then just garnish with the celery and that is essentially what we drink when we're hung over in canada that's yeah. that's our our bloody mary yeah yeah it's i mean it's surprisingly good the the clam element of it is is off-putting but mm. uh it when you taste it, it's actually really delicious. It's good. Yeah. It's yeah, just like good. a Bloody Mary of something like a little bit more fish. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of bubbly. Exactly. There aren't enough so, spicy cocktails, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So so that one definitely a hangover cure for us here. Uh and and so yeah, so so th- those are the, the foods that that I I would consider more Canadian or, or the ones that I I cherish and and the ones that I, you know, when I go abroad, those are the ones that I look back being like, oh, I can't wait to, you know, have some moose or have some deer. Um, so there's there's a really interesting food that's uh, Acadian. I won't lie to you. A lot of the Acadian food's pretty bland. 
not you know in a cold climate the more cold yeah. you go the shittier the food is the more <laughs> it's boiled the more it's yeah, you know. we, we live in the UK. We used to. <laughs> used to. <laughs> exactly. It's not quite as cold. It's not quite as cold, but it's certainly not. Uh, yeah, it's not the better. You guys have you guys have like like butter chicken, right? That's you guys, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but so we have this this uh, this dish that's uh, really historically interesting. It's called la poutine hoppy, and what that is is it's a food that the Acadians would eat ate during the English occupation. And what that was essentially was cooked potato, uncooked potato, and half-cooked potato, all smushed up into a ball. It sounds delicious, right? And But the reason they do that is so that it maintains. And so the Acadians weren't allowed to eat meat during this time because obviously they didn't want people having the, the strength to be able to revolt. And uh, what they would do is they would hide their meat inside these potato balls. Wow. And that's how they were able to uh, get their protein. And so, and and they still cook it to to this day and still cook it to this day. So what you do is you take those balls, put your pork in, close it up and then boil it. Mm. And then it looks disgusting. It's gray. (laughs) And then you dip it in sugar. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But like, if like, like for example, uh, um, around the uh the kenzu like i was talking about the uh the, the acadian festival where we we celebrate you know the deportation being back and uniting once again mm-hmm. you'll you'll find them all over there like if you go see grandma you're getting some puts in for sure uh, around christmas yeah so what's the connection between because the, the, the first word of that dish was poutine right yeah so this is just poutine rapi. i don't know what the, the connection is it's just because uh, yeah. the poutine that we think of is quite different from that. Isn't it? Yeah, the Canadian dish. Uh, yeah, certainly in our eyes, of, of poutine. Uh, yeah, yeah. We would call them chips, but you guys probably call them fries, uh, cheese curds, yeah. and, and gravy. Chips, yeah. cheese, and gravy to your average northerner in the UK, but we <laughs> ours is uh, like shredded, grated cheese, whereas yours yes. is like the cheese curds, which is yeah uh, a, a lot more delicious, certainly in, in, in my experience. But there's, yeah. there's no connection. What, what does poutine even mean as a word? It's just poutine. Just poutine. Just, yeah. Like, I, I wish I could throw, throw add more value to that, but it's just, yeah, it's just poutine. Uh, yeah. And it's got to be that squeaky cheese, you know, when you bite mm. into it, it's like, squeak, squeak, squeak. Yeah. 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 We were, yeah. Cause cheese curds is not really a thing that we, an ingredient we have. Here, no, not at um, all. But yeah, we, in Montreal, we went to uh, a place called La Bonquise which I think is like one of the more famous uh, poutine places. Yeah, Bourdain went there, I believe, uh, for his poutine when he was in Montreal. Um, And yeah, it's just really good. I mean, you can't go too far wrong with just a massive thing of chips and gravy and cheese. And then they put loads of different toppings out of like sausage and pork and Mm. beef and whatever. Yeah, there's um, there's, uh, poutineries that are popping up now that you just, they add anything to it. Like you can get uh, Montreal smoked meat, you can get all, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah 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 i, I find it interesting the um looking at the history of poutine because i think certainly to people in the uk if you said to them what would be the national dish of canada most of them would say well they'd say stuff like maple syrup mm. but then they'd also say poutine yeah but so apparently for a long time poutine was um it was like a joke like with i don't know within canada like you mentioned people looking down on people from quebec 
um people sort of associated poutine with like i don't know just like what how would you describe it yeah maybe like unsophisticated unsophisticated yeah the food food kind of like the the you know the common man but not something that you'd ever kind of talk about or celebrate in society it was just like something to fill you up with carby fatty goodness and but not actually you know not not a sophisticated thing not a celebration but now it's very much celebrated as that well supposedly um, traditional originally chefs in montreal would make poutine for their staff like the restaurants would make the chefs make poutine like to feed the staff but they would never serve it to the public put it on the menu Mm. wow um it's 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 really interesting because it's it, it reminds me a little bit of like i don't know if you guys know like the history of lobster right exactly like, lob- yeah like like my grandfather was like a lobster fisherman and he used to like fertilize the fields like you'd go to school with a lobster sandwich you'd be like oh my god look at the poor kid like yeah 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 and now look at it same with same with oysters in this country yeah. as well oysters used to be the food of the poor it's uh, prison food prison food and now you know it's an absolute cost an absolute fortune to get oysters yeah imagine being in prison back then just like oh my god <laughs> living the life yeah i don't expect the uh they were particularly sanitary or, or kept that well over ice or anything like that they were probably no. getting some pretty dodgy oysters you don't get a little vinaigrette a little bit of tabasco. Me, tabasco sauce please yeah. <laughs> um actually the guy who was on your podcast um a couple of weeks back was talking about um he's also french canadian i'm trying to try remember his name okay mike cory okay yeah, right 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 yeah yeah he's- so mike cory on your podcast was talking about i think you asked him most was it overrated places or places that he hadn't had a great experience and he said france straight off the bat because as a yeah. french canadian he felt like looked down on yeah he he's he he's a f- english speaker who speaks french uh, okay right yeah so yeah. he, he it just i think with his uh, limited not necessarily limited but with his accent like mm. if he goes to france he would just get ripped apart same in quebec unfortunately right. but yeah no it, it is a reality um of, of us experiencing something like that um oh something i wanted to, uh, to 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 share with you guys i guess have you guys ever heard some somebody for an acadian speak no you're the first oh, acadian. No, right now <laughs> yeah i mean you're the first acadian i know that i've met so so there's uh there's really it's a really interesting accent like i said it's evolved over time um and because there's a heavy english influence in the the population now it's become almost like fringlish right okay. so it's it's called shiak and i can give you an example it's so you'll only understand about half of this but it's like yeah last night you to a barbs you back up more carbs you fist it at that garbage can <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's kind of similar to like when when Welsh speakers are speaking to each other in Welsh, they always throw loads of English words in, yeah. especially if they're bilingual. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Do you have you experienced in France? I don't know if you've been to France, Phil, but if you yeah. presumably you have an accent which identifies you as non-French, do you have you had any kind of uh no weird reaction no no like so i think the diff- just the difference between me, me and mike so mike being second language so for me is my first language i'm able to dress up my speak in a way that they're able to maybe understand um i, I guess that's how it would be different between a native and a non-native mm. speaker right yeah but, 
um like they, they definitely know i have an accent but we can we can we can still have a conversation some people like i, I studied a, abroad in germany for a year had a lot of french people there and there's still some people at the end who had a very hard time understanding me already yeah they're just like oh my god what are you saying like just because i would sometimes throw in those old words not yeah. knowing or you know what i mean just being used to it you know yeah, you yeah. put your guard down after a while and they'd be like what the fuck's that word man <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> yeah um but speaking of acadian cuisine something that i read somewhere but which i mean wikipedia <laughs> um where it says that uh uh there's a theory that it was acadians were the ones who convinced french people to eat potatoes because um obviously potatoes were brought over from the americas to europe yep. by the spanish and um at that time i mean it's kind of similar to like now we've talked about it on a podcast with italians before they don't like anyone messing with their traditions no. even though now their entire cuisine is based on like new world ingredients yeah but um the french apparently thought that um potatoes were poisonous and caused leprosy um and then I guess because of the, the theory is that the Acadians being Americans could convince the people back home. They're like, no, we eat them all the time and look, no leprosy. Um, but then I was reading there is another theory that uh, there's a guy called Antoine Augustin Parmentier, as in Parmentier potato, mm. Um, mm. who was a French, French guy imprisoned by the Prussians during the Seven Years' War. And then he was fed potatoes in prison. And again, no leprosy. And so he, when he was released, he was back in France, he was like a potato fanatic, like proselytizing for the cause of potatoes. And he was like setting up themed potato dinners. Um, he's like a really rich guy. So he was like getting, he had a potato patch in his grounds and he set up an armed guard around his potato patch. Then no one would come and steal his potatoes. So that everyone could go, this is how good potatoes are. <laughs> anyway, the that's, that's is, really interesting, yeah. French people are weird about food. <laughs> Dude, uh, listen, you you said potatoes sacred and, and and he was guarding it but for his dear life. It's in our it's in basically all our meals like fricot mm. which is like a chicken stew, tortilla or tortilla wouldn't have some but like you'd have some in poutine râpé, you know what I mean? Like it's 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 all over our our Acadian culture. So that's that's interesting for you to say. <laughs> yeah. Um one of the things, I mean, before we were even talking about this podcast, um, when I was on yours and we were chatting about your travel stories, and one of the things that jumped out to me that you said was that you'd had some experience um, living with or living alongside the Inuit people mm. in Canada. So could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so I, uh, when, I guess we moved to, uh, to a, a Nunavut, in 1995 because of my dad's job and just to kind of set the stage here of what how the territories are viewed in Canada it's like it's a little bit like like you don't know a lot of people that go and visit these regions Mm. it's a very low populated region super cold but like most people you'd put most Canadians you would say hey this is a part of Canada and you'd drop them where I used to live they'd be like this does not look like they'd, they'd feel like out of their country. That's mm. how extreme and gnarly this place is. So like I said, we moved there in 1995 to this place called Iqaluit. And Iqaluit is the capital of uh, Nunavut, the territory of Nunavut. 
It's about 5,000 people. It's a uh, tundra, so there's no trees. And it's also an island. And its longitude is, uh, it's in the Arctic Circle. So during the summer, you get 24-hour sunlight. And in the winter, you experience, you know, complete darkness at like two o'clock in, in, the, in the evening. So that's, that was definitely something that was really interesting. Also in the winter, you, you experience uh, Aurora Borealis or the, the Northern Lights. Like that's something that happens just regularly. It's just mm-hmm. normal, normal part of life. So anyways, I, I went to school there for like kindergarten to grade two. And uh, it was a school comprised of English, French and Inuk students. So the Inuktitut are the, the Inuit or excuse the the Inuit are the, the people there. And the, it, this, the language you speak is Inuktitut. Right. And uh, j- just to kind of set the, uh, j- just to kind of uh, dive into the, to the topic here, just to give you an example of the stuff that I experienced. So you know what I mean? When you're young, you, you know, grade one, you'll have show and tell, you know what I mean? You'll bring a toy to school and be like, Oh, this is my favorite toy or whatever. And just getting used to talking in front of the class in this show and tell one of the students brought raw seal for us to wow. eat at school. And I was just like, I remember it like, uh, it, like it, I, I still remember it to this day because you know what I mean? When you're a kid, you know, your teeth, your, your parents teach you like, you can't eat raw food, you know, it'll mm. get you sick. And then they were like, yeah, eat this raw seal. And I was just like, uh. <laughs> like, what do I do, dude? Like, but anyways, so that was, that was a really, uh, for me, I, you know, it was my normal. And I think had I started school in the the south of Canada in the more populated areas in the provinces I and then going to there I, I would have been like completely out of my out of place but because this was you know I was first introduced to school there that's that's why that I was I was okay with it but getting food there was really interesting I know this is a food podcast so I really wanted to dive into this a little bit so that region gets wintry conditions for most of the year maybe about two months you'll get we call it like it's almost like the mud season just because everything's melted and then you know you're right back to snow month and a half later right so because you're on an island there's no trees there's no vegetation and your your food is brought in by boat so essentially you have a icebreaker that comes in then your food boat comes in but sometimes the icebreaker gets stuck so you might be you might be asking yourself how the hell did you get your food there <laughs> well Hunting and fishing is part of life, right? You're living amongst the Inuit people and uh, you got to, you got to figure it out, man, or else like you're not going to survive. Like there's, there's restaurants and stuff like that, but sometimes you'll literally go to the grocery store and it's empty because the icebreaker is stuck. So like I said, hunting was a, a big part of our life. You know, we go hunting for caribou, which is like a reindeer. And that's essentially what we would do for, you know, to fill our freezers. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's a really interesting hunt. You, everybody travels by skidoo essentially over there and you just talk to the locals, say, Hey, we're looking to go get a caribou and they'll be like, Oh, they're like that way. They travel in packs. Right. So you just drive that way for extended period of time. You'll see this huge pack of caribou, shoot a couple and then head back home. Wow. And, uh, and I guess in that region, Animals that you can see, there's uh, caribou. Caribou will sometimes be in town. It's almost like a deer over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like beluga whales. I don't know if you guys know beluga, like the white white yeah. whale. Uh, narwhals with the big tusk. Uh, polar bears, walrus, 
muskox. Muskox is like a big bison, big hairy bison. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that's just kind of chilling everywhere. And then um, in terms of the indigenous people there, so they're really like ingenious people. Like they, if you're, if you're in wintry conditions for, you know, 10, 11 months of the year, you have to get really creative with how you use your resources. So for example, they'll use like everything in the animal that they hunt. Like, for example, they'll use like the bone of a caribou, make little slits in it. And then they'll use that as sunglasses. Wow. Amazing. Because you got to think, right? It's snowy. And the Mm. reflection of the sun is obviously damaging for your eyes. So they they do that. They'll take the the bladder bladder and they'll turn that into bags, use a skin for leather. And their their diet can be pretty interesting too, because uh, so this is some of the stories my parents told me, because obviously I was a young kid over there. And uh, uh, what they'll do is, you know, they'll go hunt for a whale they'll drag it to shore and then they'll eat this thing called muktuk. If you don't know what muktuk is, well, they'll start cutting up the, the whale and they just eat pieces of blubber. Wow. Yeah. Raw blubber. Yeah. And then yeah. they, just, they just skin it and eat it. So do they basically 100% eat meat? Um, no, like the, the, their diet is, is a largely uh, like game meat. Yeah. But there's... I mean, there's now there's like franchises and stuff there. Like there's a subway, you know what I mean? So yeah. like, it's just vegetation is very low. Mm, yeah, You can get some at the store, but the, the prices, you know, the price to bring something from the mainland of Canada up to there inflates the prices. Like you can't even believe Yeah, it's, it's super, super high. What, uh, are they, what are they drinking up there? Because I'm guessing traditionally a Caesar wasn't on the cards. <laughs> um so maybe a dark point but uh that region i guess is in most uh remote regions they experience issues with substance mm. abuse and yeah, yeah. alcohol and stuff like that and uh yeah i mean drink wise nothing it wouldn't be too nothing too crazy yeah but uh there there are unfortunately a lot of uh substance abuse like alcohol and drugs and stuff like that so when before kind of european contact would there not have been or, or contact with people from further south from the Americas? Would there not have been any kind of uh, indigenous alcohol brewed at all? Because I guess if there's no plants, really. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think that, that uh, initially the uh, fur traders. That's that's how what they were exchanging. They're changing like alcohol for fur. Right. Yeah. Right. So that was kind of one of the first things that they put them onto, and then yeah, things yeah. escalated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what an incredible same. childhood, amazing place to grow up. Yeah, like like I said, I was too young to really realize what was happening, but mm. like I, I haven't even been back since. That's how remote this area is. It's uh no man, it's it it's a pretty unique place. Like the this like you I, I can just listen to my parents. Like we I just called my parents earlier just to get a couple stories from them, just mm. to kind of refresh my mind because like I said, I was five years old when I was there. So uh, or five to eight, and my dad told me a story that he went to go hunt with the carib- uh, with the uh, the Inuit. He went to caribou hunting for a few days, whatever. And after they shot a couple caribous, what they what they what they did uh, when they were you know arranging the animals was super interesting. He said that he's never seen this, but what they did is they took the stomach of the caribou, emptied it, 
And then all the fat that was collected from all the caribou that they killed, they would put it in the stomach, tie it up, and then put it underground uh, for essentially that being their fat source for the winter. Wow. So they they dig it up, put it underground, and then they put a couple like large rocks so polar bears couldn't get to it. <laughs> wow. Did you come across any polar bears? I don't never. know like face to face, but no, no, I've I've never seen a polar bear. It's it's yeah. not it's it's a it's a region that can get some. It's not like super super common. No. Uh, this is like a Iqaluit's on the south of the island. On the north of the island is where there's more. And um, yeah, they've been coming in and actually more uh, inland recently because of the ice melting and stuff like that. Like even um, islands like Newfoundland is is getting some, which is terrifying. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading as well that um, in Inuit culture with their food, they have a very strong culture of uh, like food sharing. Everything's communal. Yeah. And that that's one of the ways that in, in kind of the modern era, they differentiate themselves from Westerners, if you like, which is that even though obviously food's really scarce for them, um, but everything's shared among everyone, yeah. regardless of your social status. Yeah, no, they're 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 really tight knit people. They're uh, yeah, they're they're their culture is so cool. Like it's it's so interesting, just because they are so remote. You know what I mean? It's not like it's mainstream to to experience is because of how 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 far up north they are. Yeah. Just just for a sense of scale, how far how how long would it take to fly there from somewhere like Montreal or Toronto? Um, it's like four hours. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I mean, as far as getting from here to kind of Turkey, basically, yeah, yeah the Middle East. <laughs> so, <it's, laughs> is... so you can't see here, but it's right up oh, here. right up there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Something, Phil, uh, speaking of Northern Canada the, and Canadian cocktails that we want to ask you about and something mm. that's on our bucket list for sure, or mine anyway, Definitely things mine. that I want to try is the Sour Toe cocktail. Right. What can uh, you tell us in, about in, that? In, in our honor of the Sour Toe cocktail, can, can I guess we do a little cheers? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, I said I'm off the booze for a little bit here. I'm, I'm just going to pour myself a little drink. In Canadian fashion, we're going to go some maple syrup, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cheers, Amazing. boys. <laughs> yeah, Fuck yeah. I've, we, never uh, felt, I've never felt more Canadian. Is doing a shot of maple syrup a common occurrence in, in Canada? It is, it is not. <laughs> you invented a new tradition. Yeah. No, the, uh, so the, the sour toe shot is, uh, I believe it's a saloon in Yukon who... What is it that the the guy somebody got frostbite? Yeah, they cut yeah. off their toe, and now it lives in a jar of like whiskey or something like that. And people can take shots from this uh, jar or from this from this whiskey and get a little yeah. get a little fungus in their mouth. Yeah, and it has to in order for it to count. Um, I mean, we talked about it on a previous episode, didn't mm. we? But there's a little there's a song in fact. <laughs> Your lips have to touch the toe. Oh, yeah. I I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I've I've never made it to Yukon, but that's the only territory I haven't been to. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'd love to go. It's, I'd love to go hunting there. It's, yeah, uh, Yeah. it's it's an awesome spot. For you guys, when I say hunting, is that weird for you? Are you guys like, oh, killer already? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, 
an interesting one in the UK. I mean, there are people who would find it weird. Mm. But I mean, we're personally hunting for food is just, I think, the most natural thing in the world. I don't think there's any problem with that. We have kind of something that's more controversial in the UK is like the kind of aristocratic fox hunting tradition. Right. Which is actually illegal now and yeah. has been for maybe 15 years or something. But um, the thing that people have issues with that about more is because it's nothing to do with food. Um, and yeah, it's hunting for sport rather than for, for for sustenance. Like there's you're killing an animal just to kill an animal. You're not getting any nutrition from it. Yeah, I mean, it's a cultural thing. And yeah, as you know, some people are in favor of it. Some people are against it. Mm. But I think certainly that the surviving culture of hunting for food is much less here than it would be in parts of Canada for sure. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. not, it's not, ma- it's not a mass kind of hobby or interest. No. Like there are people in certainly more remote parts of Scotland where it's, it's quite common, but in the general population in the UK, you wouldn't find that many people who go hunting regularly at all. But no, well, I mean, I, when I get the opportunity to eat meat that has been, you know, literally freshly, I love it because it's good Mm. I mean it's sustainable it's good the good way to do it like in Scotland last summer we and our friend Joe went to we went on a two-day hike in the Scottish Highlands to um there's a pub that they call the most remote pub in mainland Britain because there's some Mm. on the islands and stuff but the only way you can get there is by boat which takes like half an hour or you can walk for two days across the highlands and so I was doing an article about how this pub it was it's like a legendary pub in the hiking community and um it had fallen on hard times and it had been owned by i think a belgian guy or something and he'd kind of sucked all the life out of it, it turned it only opened it during the summer and it was this heart of this tiny little community called Inverie. and so eventually they he put it up for sale they bought it back they reopened it as a community pub and it's kind of the village has got its like soul back again so i was doing a story about that Nice. We went and hiked there, and a lot of the pretty much every restaurant you go to there will have venison, yeah, freshly caught on the Inverie venison, um, in the hills. My girlfriend's parents live in Italy, and it's, they have wild boar, they live on a mountain, they have like mm. a problem with wild boar. And what last time I was there, her mum made a really nice wild boar stew, uh, which had been obviously hunted in the hills. So, yeah, yeah it's not something it's that I think most lots of people don't really have a problem with with it but then some people would wouldn't they yeah th- yeah yeah uh, like like for us I, I i think painting the picture of what it's like for us here it, mm. it maybe explains a bit why we're you know it is part of our you know the indigenous culture the the culture that we've you know adopted from them and uh like like for example like driving at night here is not a thing like you really? can drive at night but like if i'm if i'm to drive let's say like an hour away i won't do it at night because of moose because so. of moose yeah right because moose are you guys have seen moose but on the scale of how tall the moose is it's bigger than a horse yeah yeah so typically what happens is you're driving on the highway and then you hit its legs and then the body just smashes onto the cab so people just like it's a normal thing for people to die like it's 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 a very common occurrence like my fiance's sister hit a bear wow yeah, like it's just shit that happens here. That's, yeah. Do, do truckers still go at night or do they? Yeah. They stop. Yeah. yeah if you have, if but, you have a truck, right. yeah. you should be fine. Like I have a buddy who survived hitting a moose with a truck, but literally his wheel came off 
and the the cab was pretty much smushed. Mm. Like you, you, if you have a truck, you're fine. But if you have a, a like a, a sedan or like a like a smaller car, don't do yeah, it. Yeah, really dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of hunting, I mean, everyone should go and check out the. I think it's the is it the most recent second most recent episode of your podcast as we record this with um, Jim Shockey. Mm, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Who's like a well, they call him the greatest hunter. Yeah, he's he's the number one hunter in the world. He's hunted all over the world. He's uh, he's been on the Joe Rogan podcast, and uh, he's uh, he, it was it was man. I, I've watched that guy my entire life, so it was it was like a dream come true to kind of talk to this guy. He's uh, he's a Canadian. He's an author now. He's had a bunch of like TV shows, and the thing I think that's really interesting with him is he does hunting but in different places he does like mini documentaries of where he's going so like for example he went to uh tanzania and he was invited by this tribe of people that were being attacked by crocodiles in the river that they're using to you know wash their clothes to drink water like people are literally being dismembered and killed in this in this area of the world so they hired him to come in and shoot some crocodiles to try to help with pop- the croc- crocodile population. And he was telling me the story. I'd, I'd seen the videos and he gave me some insight on the, the other sides of the, <laughs> the other side of the story. So that he said the guy that he was living with, his wife and his daughter were killed the next day by a croc. Wow. So it, yeah, it's heartbreaking, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's insane. Horrible. Yeah. Do you imagine just being pulled mm-hmm. underwater and, yeah, that's got to be one sad. of the worst ways to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess maybe a segue from uh, the Inuit, the Inuit mm. living with the Inuit and and kind of the hunting, fishing. Um, I have a little little bit of a gnarly story that we used to do, and back then it sounded like something normal to do, but just looking back, I'm like, that's it's pretty intense. So uh, we moved from Iqaluit, which is you know east northeast Canada, to then northwest. Canada had been, I think it's like five, six hours away by plane right? to a place called Yellowknife, which is in the Northwest Territories. And this place was like, a, as a kid, like it was a huge upgrade because this place had trees. Mm. This place had uh, paved roads. <laughs> uh, it's, it's south of the Arctic Circle. So you don't have that. You still have the 24 hours of sunlight, but it's just not as intense as it would have been in Cal. It's a bit warmer. And there's around like 20,000 people there. And, uh, you know, also, I mean, obviously can't forget we had Tim Hortons there, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. We got that in Manchester now. Yeah, we got two in Manchester. Oh, no, no, no way. Yeah. No way. Wow. Didn't know that. It's uh, good. Tim bits. Yeah, Tim bits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so so this, there's this gnarly thing that we used to do. And uh, so my mom was a teacher and, you know, she had the summers off. So, like, we would do a little family trip. And what we would do is we take a float plane and we would fly to the middle of Great Slave Lake and we they'd land next to an island and we would live there for two weeks in the middle of the wilderness, kilometers and kilometers and miles and miles away from civilization. And then the boat, or the float plane would leave and leave us there for two weeks. Wow. <laughs> and so we would have like Zodiac boats. So it's essentially, you guys know Zodiac boats? No, what's not. So it's like a a boat that's into different compartments. So you can like kind of bring it with you on the plane in compartments. 
and, oh, wow. oh, okay. and then you can blow it up and, and set it up when you're there. Right. And yeah, man, we would just fish on that boat and, you know, camp camping supplies and all that. Like we just set everything up and then we go fishing for two weeks, eat our catch and that we'd bring obviously supplies for in case we didn't catch any fish, but, <laughs> but just like I was saying, I talked to my parents before this and, uh, my dad just kind of talk or my mom talking about how her experience was because some mornings, you know, we're sleeping in tent. She'd be like, Oh, like you guys go fish, you know, best time to fish is in the morning. Mm. She'd say, go, go, go ahead. Like, I just want to sleep in. And in order for her to be safe, my dad had to load a shotgun with a slug by the tent, ready to go. If a bear came. Well, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah my, my next question is going to be, are there bears there? So that sounds There's, funny. man, there's a bear, there's a, a guy in the, I was telling you guys about Grand, Grand Falls. Mm. There's a guy in, in my, the town I grew up or I went to high school in. He got attacked by a bear and he, like he was in a potato field. Funny enough, potatoes, right? <laughs> uh, and he, the only reason he, he survived is because he grabbed the bear's tongue. And I, I met this guy afterwards and all his arm, all the circumference around his arm is all fucking mangled. Wow. wow. So he let go of the bear's tongue and the bear ran away. And that's the only reason why he's alive. That's it's a like bold a, move in that situation to grab hold of the tongue. the tongue. Yeah. Like a, yeah. need to make like a PSA video about that, of like how to defend yeah. yourself against a bear. Go for the grab, grab them by the tongue. Yeah, I don't it's know how tonight. many more were, I don't know if how many more were successful with that, but <laughs> like it's pretty it's pretty intense man yeah yeah what, what this, type of bears are they is it grizzlies uh so grizzlies would be more be more in the west right so we'd get black bears right yeah grizzlies um definitely very uh aggressive as well but yeah mm. we, yeah they're they're not nothing to play with man no but, yeah not teddy but, bears no, 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 exactly. But it, listen, if you guys are looking for a cool little itinerary for Canada, Canada is kind of, it's a little bit like Europe, right? You look at it and, and you kind of have to do it in, in like a, an area. You can't do yeah. all of it. It's, it's, it's the size yeah, yeah. of a fucking continent. So what I would say in terms of a cool itinerary would be to either do the West coast, go check out the Rocky mountains. Like I, I've mm-hmm. done most of it. And this is, this is where I would, I would, this is where I'd recommend go do the West coast, do the Rocky mountains, do Alberta and British Columbia, Bath, Banff and Jasper National Park. Uh, go do Whistler if you're in the, there during the winter. Go see Vancouver Island. Mm-hmm. Those would be the areas I would check out on the West Coast. And in the East Coast is the other area I'd, I'd really highly recommend. Fly into Quebec City or Montreal. Go see the view of Quebec. Then drive through New Brunswick. Go on the coast. Go to Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia. And if you can, Newfoundland. The area mm-hmm. that I'm saying is has the nicest people in Canada. Amazing. Awesome. That's uh, yeah, really good. So I need to need to need to do that. Definitely need to. You mentioned Newfoundland. Um, I've got a, a question about Newfoundland. As uh, in my research, I've, I've came across the Newfoundland screech. Um, yeah. Don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that kind of tradition, if you've ever experienced it, if uh, and, and what it's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So on the Two Beers Will Take Off podcast, I actually had a Newfie come on, one of my buddies, and he actually screeched me in. Brilliant. Amazing. Right. So the, the screech in is, uh, is essentially them, their way of 
making people or tourists that come to Newfoundland into honorary Newfoundlanders or Newfies. And what you have to do is first you have to say a uh, little, little, uh, little blurb. Uh, anyways, it's, it's Newfie speak. And you have to, you have to say that you have to take your shot of screech, which is essentially rum. And then you have to kiss the cod. Cod is, is the, the fish that's very abundant in the Newfoundland waters. And um, yeah, you have to kiss the, uh, kiss the cod. On the lips. On the lips. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and your buddy bought a, bought a cod with him. Uh, uh, we, we actually didn't, uh, we, I didn't, we didn't have a cod. We had a trout, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we're like, let's hope that not as many people notice, but <laughs> don't know how many fishing experts are watching, but. <laughs> that is a tradition that if you're an outsider traveling to Newfoundland, that's what you have to do. It's like a sign of welcome or. Yes, exactly. And uh, St. John's, the capital has the most bars per capita in the world. And there's wow. also something that's really cool over there. People go iceberg uh, hunting or, uh, or like they, they go, like there's icebergs all around during a season. There's, there's icebergs all around the, uh, the Island. So you can go different places and go check that out. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm just reading about the, uh, the rules for the screech. If a cod is not available, they say that, um, it can be replaced with any fish, which is unsightly enough to replace a cod. So I think uh, a trout could qualify. For that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say that they might say you might have to kiss it, Newfie. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, they're 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 such a, an amazing people. Like they have, like it's it's a really interesting accent. It's it's almost like you you you'd say is is a is a variation of Irish. Really, and um, yeah, it's it's a super interesting place. Like I've never been because of how expensive it is. It's so expensive to fly throughout Canada because we're a large population mm. or a, a, a small population, but it's a large country, right? Mm. And uh, the same price to basically go to Newfoundland and come back than it is to go to like Europe. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And what's your uh, public transport like in terms of like getting around if people wanted to go on buses and trains or is it is it not non-existent non-existent basically yeah uh, you might you might get some you might have to rent a car you might have to have a buddy what's up mm. <laughs> but yeah our train system to be honest with you sucks like mm. if you're coming from europe you are going to be disappointed like we're more on par with the peruvian trains that i've been on than the european ones it's oh, yeah. the uh, rocky mountain the rocky mountaineer uh train tour oh yeah that's right i've heard of that yeah so that that one is yeah it's 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 beautiful yeah I, i've never done it but i've heard that it's it's quite amazing yeah that's that's the the the, the, the crappy part about canada there, there are buses but you're gonna have really long uh journeys so that's why i say do it in sections like if mm. you want to do the west there you can rent a car do that and then it's similar to what you guys are looking to do in in the states right so yeah 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 you mentioned um jasper and bam i when mm. i used to work uh, for a travel agency in london i used to sit there and write the brochures and stuff for these amazing rich people's holidays as a luxury travel and the canada itineraries often they were broken up like how you suggested but they often featured jasper and bam and it just looked absolutely amazing it's insane um, and some of the lodges that you can stay in and stuff on there are insane but equally the camping and stuff i'm sure is incredible yeah uh we've we've done it a, cu a couple times and uh the amount of animals that you have there is mm -hmm. insane 
like I, uh, I ended up doing my hunting course. Like you have to take a course before you're allowed to get a, to license, to get a license. And I ended up being in that province when I wanted to go hunting because I was, there's great hunting in Alberta. Right. And I had to do there. There's just so many more animals than there are in the East. There's like rams, mountain goats, elk. There's just so much shit. Like I had to like study for this because <laughs> I was like, I have no experience with these animals. Like I'm from mm-hmm. the East coast, but man, it's once you, once you drive through there, it's. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And, I, and a, I, this is not a Homer pick. Like I've, I've been <laughs> to a few mountain ranges. This is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other food, Canadian food things I wanted to ask you about. Sure. Um, first of which is, have you ever had a prairie oyster? No. no so we're, 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 we're far from the prairies, but yeah. Do you want me to tell, you, tell people what it is? Sure. Yeah. It's bull testicles. Bull testicles. <laughs> Deep fried. Fried, fried bull testicles. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, some people like it. I've, I've never tried it. I've never had the opportunity really to try it. But it's uh, yeah, more common in like Alberta, Saskatchewan, in the in the, in the prairies is is typically where you, you'd find that. Yeah, one for the one for the future then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't know. Don't know about that. One. <laughs> the uh, the other thing is, I don't know if this is what it's widely known as, but taffy on the snow. Yeah, yeah, dude, dude, oh. <laughs> let, let, let me just take a moment and just react oh my god it's so good it's so good um uh, my fiance had actually never done it and we did it this year we had uh my parents we had rented a, an airbnb and it's a bit a bit of a rural area and this is actually here i'll, I'll plug this place so this uh we actually did it in a place called little mac to quack naples and it is absolutely delicious. So basically what it is, is they take the maple syrup and then they raise the heat of it. I believe it is. They, 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 they just cook it at a higher heat. And with that syrup, what they do is they put it down on, they do like little lines of snow and you take a little piece of wood or a little, um, uh, yeah, I guess this little piece of wood and you just, <laughs> you just roll it up and you it, you eat it like a sucker and it's, insane wow. yeah dude so you you pour the is it taffy is that what they call it maple taffy yeah they pour it on a little bit of snow and then you just eat it it's like would blow your mind to be fair it sounds good sounds amazing it's like a maple like lollipop basically exactly of. right it's yeah. so ingrained the snow and the yeah freshly frozen because you yeah. never eat yellow snow famously <laughs> uh, brown snow is fine <laughs> there you go um, so there's just there's one more thing that i want to ask you about which is sure. not canada related at all but it is food related yeah. which is again when we were talking about your travel stories you mentioned um nearly getting stabbed for your mcdonald's in brazil mm. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, this happened, this is, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting story. So this, uh, this happened, I guess in 20, 2018, it was uh, me and my buddy, the guy who I had, uh, we initially were a co-host on the two beers takeoff podcast and, uh, him and I love to travel. We met, uh, we met traveling actually in, um, 2012 in Malta. 
Mm. And we'd actually, since that time, or I guess before the pandemic, we had traveled every year together somewhere around the world. And uh, so he married a Brazilian woman and uh, he, he, uh, he had me over. So we went across the country and explored, you know, Sao Paulo and the Minas Gerais um, province or state. And then we went up to Bahia to go to Salvador. Salvador is this region. It's a lot of um, Afro-Brazilian people and uh, really known for its food, its culture, really uh, vibrant, really colorful cities or city. And uh, so on our last night, we decided to, you know, have a couple beers, get in, get into one. And uh, anyways, I had a flight the next day. So we're like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll cut it off at like, I don't know, two in the morning. And we were living in the historic area. So we, we took an Uber as one does, you know, very cultural. And then we stopped at McDonald's, you know, again, very cultural. Yeah, the local cuisine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) and uh so salvador in the historic area you eventually hit an area where there's no cars there's just pedestrian areas but we later on later on found out that salvador is the number 12 murder capital of the world and on every street corner there's a police officer with a automatic weapon and uh so before we got to that region we started walking you know with our McDonald's and uh, there's this guy that just popped out of nowhere guy who we had met the night before he was trying to get us to go to the prostitutes with my buddy and his wife with us and we're like yeah no probably not dude <laughs> so he sees our McDonald's and he's like hey can I get some food and I'm like like no like get away from me and the guy pulls out a knife and I'm just like oh boys like every time me and this guy travel there's always something that happens this guy attracts danger like nobody's <laughs> business. He's from Bogner Regis. He's one of yours. How done. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, essentially uh, it escalated. The uh, my buddy started yelling at the guy with the knife, and we tried to like divert him. So like I started running, and eventually a cop came and and uh, the guy ran away. But yeah, it was. Uh, it was quite a night. Did you get really to keep the McDonald's? Yeah. The only thing is when I ran, my Sprite spilled all over my hand. So I didn't, I didn't get to drink. You lost a drink. bit of Sprite. Oh. Yeah. I lost a bit of Sprite, but you know. Yeah. Could have been worse. Still survived. I was, I was going to say that it's a lesson to not go to McDonald's when you're in a foreign country, but then it's one of the great joys of traveling. Just, have, just, just eat in. Yeah, well, yeah. I, 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 I would say do, do eat McDonald's every yeah, no, because it differs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You get the the local flavor, but just in a shitty version of food. Yeah, we it's are, not um, good for you. It's one of our one of my first ports of call in another country is always to check out the local variation of McDonald's. Yeah, we're going to be in Chicago uh, in May, uh, and that's where they have the McDonald's global headquarters, and they have a restaurant at the bottom where you can order different McDonald's from all around the world. That's the only place, no way, anywhere wow. where you can get. You could get, you know, a Thai Big Mac. You can get, a, I don't know, Maharaja Mac, all in this one McDonald's in Chicago. Um, oh, way. And yeah, that's probably one for the bucket list. Well, we'll have to go. We'll have to go. Hey, hard take. McDonald's mm. in the US isn't as good. It's true. It's true. It's true. Yeah. And it's and it's really expensive in the US. Yeah. Compared to uh, uh, Chick-fil-A, if you guys haven't had that, holy fuck, that's yeah. game changer. 
need to go there. I think, is there anything else that you want to talk about right at this point? We could, we've got a good hour. So yeah, um, like I'd love to leave you, I guess with, uh, like I said, you know, this is a food and beverage podcast, but I know that Dan's a big music guy. So I'd love to leave you guys with a couple artists that if, if people are interested, can go out and check because, right. uh, I think they're fucking, they're, they're, they're world-class. Just maybe some people don't know them. So I'm going to start with one that's Canadian well-known in Canada. Anyway, uh, it's a band called city in color. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this band. That rings a bell for me. Yeah. So the that's color with a U. Yeah. That's yeah, color with a U. Yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, a band that, uh, so I, I grew up listening to this guy because he was part of a screamo band. He was part of a, a band called Alexis on fire, which is really f- yes. famous in Canada. I remember. Yeah. And he would be the melody singer in the band. His right. name is Dallas green. That's why it's called city and color. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And the, the most beautiful voice I've ever heard. I've seen him multiple times live. The guy is, I've chills just, just talking about this guy is how amazing he is. He is, wow. I think one of our national treasures, uh, so I guess in this episode, we, we kind of covered two different portions of Canada. We talked about the Acadians and the Indigenous. So in Indigenous-wise, I'm going to give you an artist that's, he's not Inuit, but he's an Indigenous artist out of Canada. He's, right now, he's trending, like, way up. He just recently, so he's a folk country singer, but he's uh, recently performed at, like, the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville. And he's also uh, performed with Willie Nelson recently. Amazing. And his name is wow. William Prince. William Prince. Yeah, I actually bumped into him uh, about like a kilometer away from here, like in St. John. I bumped into him. He was coming into the mall. I was like, what? <laughs> what are you doing here, man? So he's 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 one I'd, I'd really highlight. And the last one is an Acadian band that probably nobody knows. But this is if, if anybody's interested in the Acadians and really would like to hear the different accents it, it, they do sing it mostly in French, but there are this uh, trio of three chicks called Le Hey Babies. So it's Le like L E S Hey H H A Y and then babies. And they uh, they're just a, a very interesting art because their, their style is like a little bit like seventies, like psychedelic type music. And uh, their concepts for like their, their last album is really interesting because they found a bunch of postcards from this woman who left New Brunswick to try to make it in California as a, as a model or something. And she was just sending back uh, postcards to her mom and they found these postcards and made an album about it. So it's, it's just like concepts are really cool. And uh, they talk about, you know, living here. They also have some English songs. So if some people may, may, may be interested in that, but I just, I just, I think that they, they've also like performed in Nashville and in the States and they're big, they're really big in Louisiana as well. So they're uh, a really cool band. Awesome. Amazing. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Phil. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, and so on that note, a musical note, we'll probably yeah. wrap it up. I think I've just got one little thing to add. I found the rhyme oh, for the sour. He's found the rhyme. End on a, on a little, on a little ditty. Um, so if you're ever in uh, the Yukon territory and you find yourself uh, supping on a sour toe cocktail, uh, here's what you've got to remember. You can drink it fast. You can drink it slow, but the lips have got to touch the toe. <laughs> but um, and on that note, yeah. 
Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks, Phil. Bye. Thanks, boys.